for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Joey Medore. Live from the WATH studios, it's the Sports Fan on Monday. March 28, 2022, 6.06 on the clock. We have a full hour show for you this afternoon, taking you all the way up till 7, talking about everything sports from over the weekend as we got the Final Four locked in place and excited to see that take place next Saturday. A lot of traditional faces in it this year. The, the darling St. Peter's went out yesterday, unfortunately, to North Carolina in a 20-point in a loss. But we have a special guest on the show here today introducing him to the sports fan, Ross Chris. Ross, Joey, great to have you on the program. Joey, thanks for having me. Can't, can't describe how excited I am to be back in southeastern Ohio, be here in the studio with you. Tons of sports stuff to dish out to the listeners. Listeners, get in touch with me at Ross Talks on Twitter and Instagram. There you go. We we're talking a little about your background before the show, and yesterday you obviously gave me a call as we figured out we're going to be partners uh, for the week. <laughs> This week and hopefully uh, for the you know remaining future here, but you're a two-time OU graduate, got your master's in 2011, but you've had uh, quite an interesting career path. Worked at a couple universities, but then you were out in Dubai where you kind of started your uh, sports talk radio career a little bit. Yeah, you're you're right. I, I I don't like talking that much about myself, but I guess on the first show <laughs> I I will indulge the listeners and yourself. I, um, I'm a 2009 graduate, undergraduate of Ohio University, originally hailing from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I went out and worked for a little bit. Then I came back to OU and I graduated in 2011 with my master's degree. I bounced around a bit and then I ended up in Rhode Island working in college athletics for the Bryant University Athletic Department. The Bulldogs who made it into this year's March Madness tournament in the 16th seed in yeah. the play-in game out Peter there. Peter Kiss captured yeah. the country, leading scorer. He got, got in there out there in Dayton, Ohio. So after working in Bryant, at Bryant for, uh, for some time, I moved abroad and I worked at, uh, in Dubai at the largest college out there, Higher College of Technology. It was a great experience. I was out there for seven years. Also, during that time, I would moonlight as a radio broadcaster. So it was a Dubai I 103.8, a station close to my heart. It was a very, very good time. I uh, reported on what was happening back home. So everyone in the United Arab Emirates in Dubai wants to know what's happening in America, what's happening in the NBA, what's happening in the NFL, and that's what I would dish out. Also, there's a local American football team there. We call it American Football Abroad. Mm -hmm. So uh, the the EAFL, the Emirates Gridiron League, was also out there. I was I did the color commentary and play-by-play -play for that, and also some of the uh, ice hockey as well. So it was a great experience. Tons of pro sports out there as well. Uh, we have the pro golf that rolls through town, mm -hmm. um, the European PGA, the darts, the tennis, uh, the horse racing, the cycling. Uh, you name it. It's pretty much all out there. And you mentioned it was uh, every Saturday. I think you said three hours. You had a couple other guys who'd be on the program with you each Saturday. And what, what were kind of the biggest sports that, that you found out in Dubai? Because it's fascinating. I think a lot of people over in the States don't think about what American sports mean to people abroad. So, you know, what were kind of the biggest sports to touch on during your time out there? Yeah, great question, Joey. Soccer's massive. Mm -hmm. Soccer, I would say, is the number one sport 
globally. So soccer would be a big, big touching point. Everyone wants to know the scores in English Premier League. Everyone wants to know what's happening in the German Bundesliga. Everyone wants to know what's happening in League One, uh, the Italian League. So also, of course, the professional league in the United Arab Emirates, the Arabian Golf League. So these were all scores, players, uh, sound clips that we all had to touch on because you know what? Everyone is really interested in soccer. Mm. I would say number two would be cricket. Uh, So Cricket, the United Arab Emirates used to be part of the crown, used to be part of the United Kingdom. Generally, wherever you see uh, countries that were once part of the crown or still part of the monarchy, you'll see cricket. Their love for cricket is there. So we would cover five-day test cricket and uh, T20 cricket, which would be the one-day type of cricket that you can see that's done in one-day format. And then, of course, rugby. Uh, rugby's massive rugby union and rugby league so there'd be about three of us in the studio like I said I would try to chime in on what's happening back home in the NFL the NBA the MLB and you know a bit of the boxing bit of the hockey as well big story stuff so kind of you know like if Tom Brady comes back out of retirement. Boom! That's a big story. Uh, that's a, that's um, a whole hour right there. Yeah, we're we're not going to be covering if uh, you know San Diego Padres send a uh, reliever down to the minor leagues. Right. But this was a it was a really rewarding experience. And on top of that, this experience also taught me about a bunch of other sports. Mm-hmm. It gave me a lot of more of a global view, uh, a lot better culture understanding of what else is out there outside of the U.S. of A. Don't get me wrong, I love the U.S. of A. I'm, very proud to be from here, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, originally. So, uh, But it was very, very good in terms of enhancing my knowledge of what's happening out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, we got you back in southeast Ohio now. You're up at Hawking College in Nelsonville. Yes, I am. I uh, took a position at Hawking College to beco- become their first ever director of sports management. I'm very proud of where this program has gone, and I'm really proud of Hawking College. We started with only four students in the program. We're up to 16 students this semester. It's one of the fastest growing uh, two-year programs in the country. I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of my students, very proud of the first cohort taking a risk coming in and uh, signing up for this major. But we do a lot of fun things over there, and it's a really fun time to be involved in sport in this region because Hawking College is investing heavily into their athletic department. They have a football team. They have a men's and women's basketball team, softball and baseball. So there's a lot of cool storylines coming out of there. The basketball team, men's basketball team, started out on a very long undefeated run this year. And, of course, the Hawking College kicker getting mentioned on ESPN game day, Caden Cox, uh, putting some extra points in between the uprights for uh, Hawking College made some national news. So it's really fun time. If you're ever in campus, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to give you a tour. If you're ever in Athens, feel free to reach out. If you don't like me, feel free to reach out <laughs> at Ross Talks. Well, Ross, again, great to have you on the show. I'm excited for the uh, the week ahead. And again, hopefully we uh, we get to have you on the, the, the final weeks prior. Obviously, my time here is kind of coming down to an end. I'm graduating here in a month, but very excited for the month of head and, and with all that let's get into the college hoops from over the weekend the final four is set and obviously you know what everybody's kind of pointed to the fact to it it's pretty much an all blue blood final four this year kansas villanova duke north carolina the usual suspects as you would say i think this group of teams have won about half of the last what, what 15 14 national championships or something like that yeah, it's crazy. Since the 2007 season, Duke, NC, uh, Kansas, Villanova have claimed seven of the 14 <laughs> national championships. It's boring. <laughs> it, it is boring. Yeah. I, 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 I come from 
the the mindset that I would like to see one of those mid-majors sneak in there and mm. do the run. I like I like it when they go all the way and contest. Now these teams, story programs, obviously great coaching pedigree, um, great players that come out of there, great NBA talent as well. But I would just like to see some of these smaller schools make it in there. But what can you do? It is the greatest tournament on earth. There's no other tournament better than March Madness. And we had a good one this year. A lot of cool storylines coming out of it. Yeah, absolutely. What was crazy was going into the Sweet 16, there were so many, you know, non-traditional teams. Iowa State Miami was a Sweet 16 matchup. I guarantee nobody predicted that one. Obviously, St. Peter's went on their run. You had your Purdue, who was expected to be good this year, but not a traditional powerhouse in college basketball. Only three of the top eight teams were left in the field going into the Sweet 16. They're all the teams in the Final Four besides North Carolina. They were an eight seed, but Candace Villanova and Duke, as they say, the cream rises to the top, and that's what really happened. As a lot of the, the Sweet 16 had a lot of good games, but a lot of the Elite Eight games, Ross, I mean, Duke controlled Arkansas the entire game. North Carolina absolutely thumped St. Peter's. Kansas went down six at halftime to Miami. They rallied back to win by 20 as well. Just a lot of, you know, not so competitive games down the stretch yesterday and on Saturday. Very lopsided indeed. I, I watched the whole entire St. Peter's game. I was rooting for them. And speaking of that St. Peter's game, a little bit later in the show mm. today, we're going to have their associate athletic director, Chris Aliano, on the show to talk about their success because St. Peter's was such a story. Mm -hmm. I was willing to bet that right up until yesterday's loss, they were quite possibly the most intriguing sports team in the world. Coming out of a 15 seed, never hurt, no one's ever heard of them, where they played, what they've done, and making it all the way as far as they made Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, so, well, I'm, I'm really excited to chat with him, an old co-worker. But, yes, looking at these games yesterday, Elite Eight, not very, not very exciting, were they? Just kind of dull, blowouts, everything that you expected to happen, happened. Although there were some injuries coming out of yesterday that are yes. going to affect the Final Four and definitely going to affect some of the big storylines going into it. Villanova, of course, going to be one of those teams. But guess what? Villanova knows how to play with injuries, don't they? Absolutely. And that was the big one, right? They lost... Uh, Jay Wright. I'm sorry, ju ju Justin Moore. My, yeah, my and apologies. that was only that game was pretty much in hand, too. It was just about a minute left in the game. Kind of a innocuous sort of play. He goes in the dribble and just blew out his Achilles. It was a really unfortunate situation. It looked like he got fouled watching it live, and then you watch the replay. It's like, oh, no, his... I mean, I was watching the game with my family. My brother pointed out, it's like, I think his Achilles just blew out. And I was sitting there like, what do you mean? The kid just slipped and fell over. I didn't see anything. And then I watched the replay. I was like, oh, geez. And then you saw his reaction down on the bench. You saw him get a little more upset. The team huddled around him after the victory. So definitely a big loss. But there's a lot of cool storylines. I know, you know, it's, it's four traditional teams, and it's not the most exciting. But are you kidding me? Coach K in his last run of it playing North Carolina in the Final Four? I mean, it almost seems too perfect to be true. But that's got to be the, the story that's captivating everybody going into next weekend. And it's their first time ever. First time ever. North Carolina Duke. How long have they been playing basketball in North Carolina? They, <laughs> it's amazing to think that these teams are meeting for the first time in March Madness. Coach K going for it. Going for the one for the thumb. Going for his sixth title. You know, this Duke team... They got thumped a little bit there by the end by North Carolina at the end of the yeah. regular season. So if I'm thinking I'm North Carolina, I'm heading into this game, I'm thinking I have all the mojo. I have all the confidence. I just beat 
one of the hottest teams in the country. Uh, David versus Goliath matchup in St. Peter's, and I beat them convincingly. I, I come in, I beat Coach K and his home farewell. All Anyone who had anything to do with that Duke program for the last 100 years was in attendance of that game. <laughs> I think every single person wanted Duke to win that game other than the players, coaches, and parents of the North Carolina players. And guess what? They come in and they win. So this Convincingly. North, it wasn't convincingly. even a contest. So you have to think Hubert Davis's team is ready for this matchup and they have the mojo coming into this Final Four. Absolutely. I think it was a double-digit spread in that game. Because just, oh, this is going to be a Duke party. They're going to bring everybody in. It's going to be a celebration of Coach K and all his teams and everything they've accomplished. And they just get thumped at home. And I remember going into that game, everyone was like, of course Duke's going to blow them out. It's their last game at home for Coach K. And I said, yeah, it's also the Tar Heels playing them in with an opportunity to spoil Coach K's final game they play against each other. And again, it just the fact that the stars are aligning for these two teams to meet in the Final Four for the first time ever with so much magnitude on this game. And the crazy thing is, both these teams limped into the NCAA tournament. They both got thumped by Virginia Tech, who ended up winning the ACC tournament. They went out to Texas in the first round of the NCAA. That just tells you how crazy March gets. But, I mean, this is going to be a game that everyone's going to sit down for and watch, uh, to watch these two teams go after it one more time with so much on the line. Uh, and these, uh, they've been pretty convincing victories for both these sides throughout the tournament. North Carolina... You know, they've run through everybody to this point, despite they played a tough game down the stretch against UCLA where the love kid, I mean, he was unbelievable at the end of that game. Yep. And they go on to win that one. And Duke, a couple convincing victories back-to-back, -back, especially against Arkansas. I mean, Ross, they controlled that entire game, it felt like, against an Arkansas team who just knocked off the best team in the land. Yeah, that Arkansas team was mighty athletic as well. They went on a 10-0 run there, and that really cemented their victory I just don't know. Caleb Love, you mentioned him. He had 16 points against UCLA. He kind of seems to me like he, he could be the X factor in this one. I, I just see I, I'm leaning towards North Carolina Blue in mm. this one. I'm leaning towards the Tar Heels. And, you know, I love Coach K. I love everything he stands for. I like the whole entire program. I like his coaching style. I love a lot of the players that came out of there. But just in the way that North Carolina has been playing, how they finished the year, how they already have the confidence of beating Duke in a massive format, massive type of game. You won't find a game like that type of game uh, outside of the NCAA tournament. And that was kind of a time where North Carolina was kind of in a bit of a spiral. They weren't playing their best basketball. And that's why I think everybody expected Duke to go in there and just you know blow the doors off them. And that would seem to kind of be the game to start the turn of what we've seen here in March from the Tar Heels. Yes. Yeah, totally agree with you. Uh, Paulo Banchero, though, of Duke, I mean, this is this is a guy that can single-handedly, you know, s switch up the whole entire pace of a game. He is massive. I think it, he looks to be about seven feet tall. Yeah. And he can pretty much do every darn position on the court. Absolutely. Phenomenal. I mean, him and, him and Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga are going to be the number one, number two. They have to be. How, who, yeah. Whatever order, I'm not sure, but that's one and two. Yeah. So, I mean, North, North Carolina is going to have to try to figure out a way to limit him. You can't stop him. I mean, you can't stop the number one, number two overall draft pick in the NBA draft. He's going to get his shots. He's going to get his looks. But if you can kind of limit the other players, some of the other, you know, 
role players on that Duke team, and I say role players, they've probably got another couple draft picks, right. you know, sitting on that bench just ready to come in and fire away. But I, 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 I'm leaning towards North Carolina in this one. Yeah, I see it. My problem is I, I dabble in the in the sports betting world a little bit, Ross. And, oh and my goodness! You know, there goes your parents' tuition. <laughs> there it no, is. No, I'm up. I'm up on the year. Please, please. I've had a good March. I'll tell you, but I start to pick with my heart this late in the season. Duke's been on, but Duke's been good to me the last couple weeks here. Well, let's just take a look at the Caesars odds makers from Caesars Sportsbook. It's minus four. They're at minus four right now yeah, with that, the over under at 151 almost. points. So. Let's just take a look at that over-under right now. 151. College 151. Game. College game. That's a lot of points. That is a ton of points. So they're saying they're going to be shooting from behind the arc. It's fast-paced game. I hope. And defense will be somewhat non-existent. <laughs> I hope. Run it up. And four points for that Duke line. You're liking that Duke line on that one? No, not at all. You're not liking that Duke line? Four, is, four feels a little... Stu- Four feels a little steep. Well, I'll tell you what. I ain't, buy, I ain't buying the, the money line either. That's probably about 180, I had to guess. Well, I know we just met. North Carolina Tar Heels coming in with a record at 28 and 9. Duke Blue Devils coming in at 32 and 6. Both of these teams kind of stunk towards the end, then got better. And now they have all the momentum on your side. What you want coming in to the Final Four. Friendly bet between me and you. I will take North Carolina Blue with my plus you need four. The, oh, you want the point. I'll okay. take the plus okay. four. And. You right. can take your Duke Blue Devils. Give me the give me the four. I'll you, take I'll take I'll take the points with Duke. Yes, and we'll see we'll see how this one plays out. Who I'm, knows? Ner- I'm nervous about this one. I'll uh, be honest. I mean, we got another matchup to break down before we get to a quick break. Again, listen to the sports fan here. Some Final Four talk. Joy Medor alongside Ross Chris. But Kansas and Villanova, I mean, Ross, great coaching matchup, first of all. You, you Bill Self, Jay Wright, two legends of the game squaring off and two teams that have they've been playing sound all tournament long. You know, Coach K is getting all the 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 fame of this one because this is his, you know, going away party and sure. he is one of the greatest coaches ever. Absolutely. But Jay Wright, what he's been able to do at Villanova, I mean, Villanova is a you know a blimp on the map compared to some of these big schools. Absolutely. They're, they're just, you just don't expect a team of this size to do what they do. He's going for his third title in six years. And they're in the, at least the elite eight and all the, and all the other years. Yeah. If he, if he wins this, he's fourth all time for national titles for men's basketball coaches. I mean, unbelievable what he's able to do. And he does it. This is the second year he's missing one of his best players. Last year he had, uh, Colin Golubsky. Mm-hmm. He went out with a knee, and now Colin Golubsky is stepping up because Justin Moore just went out with an Achilles. I mean, Jay Wright, uh, unbelievable. I believe he's the only college coach currently that sits on the USA men's basketball um, coaching staff as well. I got to double check that mm-hmm. one. So that that just kind of says something to what people think about his basketball mind, not only at the college level but at the pro level. He can connect with. A variety of human beings playing the sport. So, yeah, a remarkable program. Number one, Kansas. They basically did what they should have done. Yeah, they they did. They operated like a number one seed. They absolutely thumped Miami, forty-seven to fifteen in the second half. Goodness gracious! <laughs> did they? Someone in Miami turned off the lights on them at second half. That was absolutely horrible. Finished seventy-six to fifty. Um, I'll probably butcher this one, but. 
Ochi Abaji. Oh, you got it. He is. He's fun to watch, isn't he? Absolutely. I mean, he's been in college for 10 years. But, <laughs> but yeah, he's had an amazing resurgence. I think he was kind of one of those guys where he's been a talented player his whole college career. But I don't know. You know, the older you get in terms of draft potential, it kind of starts to drop a little bit. But I think he's kind of played himself back into being a first-round pick this year. I mean, he's had a f- fantastic season. And then they got to transfer Remy Martin. Another fantastic and, name. And he's been coming on strong here in the tournament. He's really stepped up playing off the bench. So they've had a great backcourt duo. And like you said, they pretty much have been handling their business throughout this tournament. The Providence game got a little dicey there at the end. Um, but they were pretty much in control of the game the whole way. Yeah, Bill Self. Uh, another great coach, won it back in 2008, you know, going for it again. This Kansas program, they're, they're, they're up there for one of the best programs in the country. They always seem to deliver in men's basketball. Yeah, Bill Self's a big reason because of that. He knows how to recruit to Kansas. All right, I got news for you people. <laughs> I've traveled the world. All right, Kansas isn't exactly South Beach. All right, it's pretty hard to convince these people these players that are going to stay in college for 365 days to come freeze their butts off in Kansas. I could list about a million other places I would rather play basketball than Kansas. However, he delivers a recruiting class year after year after year, and they get the number one seed, and they completely operated in this tournament. Absolutely. It's going to be a fun Final Four to watch. we got to get to a quick break here on the Sports Fan as we have Chris Aliano joining us from St. Peter's to talk about the Peacock's magical tournament run on the other side of this break. This is a sports fan presented by J&K Contracting on 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. Roving reporter here. Excuse me, ma'am. I'll give you $14,934,386.83 if you can tell me the best place in town to get pops, chips, candy, sports drinks, and a lot more. Uh, Stop and Cop? That's right. Stop and Cop drive through carry out is the best place to get party stuff. Munchies, all kinds of pops and sodas. Excuse me. Candies galore, chips, sports drinks. Excuse me. Yes, what is it? What about my money? What money? Something, something million dollars. Can't remember how much, huh? <laughs> Stop and Cop drive through carry out. 362 Richland Avenue, Athens. Proud supporter of high school sports. If you're a business owner, We know, in spite of the tough times, you still want to give your business all the financial protection it needs. This is Mallory Swaim with Matthews Insurance. And for over 75 years, our business has been helping to protect Athens area businesses. Ohio Mutual and Matthews Insurance can provide you with a policy designed to serve your needs, as well as fast and fair claim service and a great price, too. Contact us today at 740-593-5573 or Google us, Matthews Insurance. Friendly, reliable, local. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. And right now at Wendy's, they're only a buck each. Wendy's breakfast biscuits, just a dollar. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet your buck on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Limited time only at participating Wendy's. Offer only applies to bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuits. Limit five qualifying items per transaction and per person per day. Not valid in a combo. You're listening to The Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Join the door alongside Ross Chris here on The Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Just got some done talking about the final four and the four teams left, Duke, North Carolina, Villanova, and Kansas. Should be a lot of fun basketball 
to watch. Diving into some local news real quick before we get into our special caller for today's episode. Announced just about an hour ago by Jeff Goodman, and this one hurts, Ross. This hurts because I, I, when I first got here, it was this guy's freshman year, and I've watched him become such a great basketball player. But Ben Vanderplas is going to enter the transfer portal. Yeah, uh, it does hurt a little bit. You feel you f- you feel the sadness, but this is the day and age that we live in in college basketball. Ben Vanderplas going on forty years old, entering the transfer portal. No, he has to be up there in age. Um, I, d- I believe he was picking up his second master's degree at Ohio University in the sports management program, but he has entered the portal. Doesn't necessarily mean anything. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to enter the portal, um, but we see in this day and age that generally means you're leaning towards leaving. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it would really hurt to see him go. Obviously, he's the second-best scoring option on the Bobcats, and he's been a great player, big part of the tournament run from a couple years ago. But a team that went on a tournament run this year were the St. Peter's Peacocks, and they really captured the hearts, souls, and everything of the whole country this year. First ever 15 seed to make it to the Elite Eight. And we have Chris Aliano, who works in Director of Communications for the Athletic Department at St. Peter's, joining us on the program. Chris, we appreciate you joining us. How are you doing today? Guys, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. And uh, hello to the greater Athens and, uh, I guess, Ohio market. How's everyone doing out there? Uh, we're, we're hanging in there. It's a little cold today, uh, Chris, <laughs> I'm being honest. It was, we had some great weather last week, but uh, it's really gone downhill. That's kind of southeast Ohio this time of year. You never know what you're going to get. But let's talk about the Peacocks, man. I mean, it was incredible to watch them play. Obviously had a good conference run, finished second in the MAC. They're able to win that tournament and move on. And just the run they went on. Talk about it from your perspective of just to sit back and you obviously work inside the athletic department. What was the ride like these past couple weeks? Oh, man. Uh, as you can tell, I'm sure you can detect a hint of it in my voice. Just a little burnt out, a little exasperated, <laughs> but at the same time still just kind of uh, trying to process it and decompress at the same time. I mean, from, I guess, where we were, you know, a couple of weeks ago, obviously going into the MAC tournament, but, um, you know, everyone's expectations going into that. I'm not sure how familiar you are with with the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, but there's a, a little-known, uh, possibly Hall of Fame coach named Rick Pitino who uh, is behind the bench of Iona in that league. And uh, obviously our expectations were, you know, obviously high for them. And then they got upset, flash forward to St. Peter's, obviously going on the run to, to win the tournament. Uh, and then to, of course, be the last team that was called on Selection Sunday. And, of course, you see Kentucky up there next to, you know, to their name. It's just, okay, you know, it, you're playing with house money at that point for a school like us who hadn't been in the tournament since 2011. You're playing with house money right as, as soon as you see your name called. Mm-hmm. And then to see it play out the way it did against Kentucky. Um, and I, um, for whatever reason, I, I, I wound up um, staying home, not making the trip to Indy. Uh, you know, a few others from our staff were able to make the trip, but uh, to see it play out from home and then obviously to, to pull it off against Murray State, it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, our Twitter account, just skyrocketed from like 2,000 followers to I think we're almost at 40 now. Uh, they're verified now. Just it's been it's been absolutely insane. I don't want to take up obviously too much of your time trying to describe <laughs> the emotions, but um, needless to, needless to say, it's it's amazing for a very uh, small, um, little known Jesuit university in Jersey City, um, flanked by Seton Hall and St. John's to our west and to our east, uh, in the number one media market in in the country, if not the world. Um, but to have the eyes that we did, it's, I mean, it's obviously fantastic for 
the student athletes first and foremost for the program. Uh, but it's amazing for the school. I mean, I, I would have to imagine that the admissions department um, doesn't have to worry too much about the next admission cycle just for the interest that this run generated along. Chris, it's great to hear your voice, buddy. It's been a long time since our day in Bryant University. I hope you're doing well. The Maricube City. Oh, the Maricube City. It's great to hear your voice too, pal. Uh, I, I was. I've. I've seen this. I've seen so many things on Twitter. I've seen so many things on Instagram about how I guess low budget St. Peter's is compared to all these teams that they're playing. Coach Calipari, I think his budget is like three times higher than your whole entire athletic budget. I saw a picture today of the St. Peter's basketball coach's office. And I have seen sheds in Ohio that look better than this. What did it mean for the school to beat this, the like David versus Goliath type of situations? What did it mean when you first knocked off Kentucky? Was it complete? I mean, an utter, were you, were you completely amazed by this or did you think this was coming? Um, it's a loaded question, Ross, obviously when, I mean, geez, when you, when you go to overtime, um, you know, that within alone, you're just like, what are we doing? How is this even, what, what timeline am I in? Did I have my head this morning? What's going on? Um, then, you, you know, if you try and look at the matchup itself, you know, people start to justify it. Obviously, a 15 over a 2 has happened very few times before. But, oh, you know, Kentucky has obviously a lot of big-name stars, but they're often one and done. There's not a lot of experience on the roster, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, you can kind of justify that. But then you go up against a Murray State team that I don't, I don't think had lost in 2022 off the top of my head. And then you're like, oh, boy. And then the Purdue game happened, Ross, with, I mean, those two absolute studs that will obviously, I'm sure, be lottery picks. Uh, just the size differential alone going up against these scrappy underdogs from St. Peter's, it's, it's again, it's tough to quantify. It's tough to articulate right now. Um, were we blown away? Yes. If, if you do know, you know anything about our coach and our program, the calling card, it's not a sexy product to watch offensively, and that's okay because uh, his calling card over the three years that I've been there and obviously the one extra year before I got to St. Peter's, uh, you, you got to play good defense. you got to play hard-nosed, uh, grinded-out basketball. Uh, otherwise, it doesn't matter what your numbers are. Um, he's going to bench you, and he'll go on to the next guy that will play his up-tempo, you know, uh, just disruptive defense, and they make the most of their offensive chances, and I guess those styles, and Ross, you know, I'm the farthest thing from an X's and O's guys, and, you know, from basketball. Uh, I think you've seen me on the court back in Smithfield a couple <laughs> times, and it's not pretty. But it's, you know, it, it, it's worked. It has clearly worked over um, his three, four years at St. Peter's building up into the product. And uh, for whatever reason, it, it worked over the last two weeks. Obviously, the run uh, came to an end against UNC yesterday. But, I mean, again, you're playing with house money when you're a school like St. Peter's. Uh, just when you're up there against Kentucky on national TV, um, you know, with Ian Eagle or whoever it was calling, you know, calling the primetime game at 7 o'clock last Thursday and then to have that happen three more times, it's it's just bonkers when you really think about it. Look, Chris, we won't judge your basketball skills here on this show, okay? So you don't need to worry about that. But um, <laughs> something that was kind of cool, you know, being here in Athens with Ohio University where I go to school and, uh, you know, they obviously won a game in March Madness last year. And I think one of the coolest aspects for one of those small schools is just like the buzz it generates around the campus. You know, every, classes stop for, for the whole day to go watch the basketball team. There's people, you know, camping out or getting together to watch the game. And it's a really cool scene. I, I assume it was a really similar experience over there in St. Peter's for, for this crazy run. I, I would venture Yes, and at the same time, it might look a little different than what I'm sure last year looked at Ohio, only because 
um, St. Peter's is, it's an urban campus. It, I mean, it's two city blocks. I'm sure you've seen all kinds of memes mm-hmm. or TikToks. I know there was one out there by, I don't know if it was a Barstool product or something. <laughs> it was just the Google Street Maps of, after the Kentucky game, it was like, this is St. Peter's. Can you believe it? This is their campus. So uh, it, it's, it's a commuter school for, for the most part, but a lot of first-generation college students, very uh, an international um, student um, demographic, which is obviously great. Um, but it's not your traditional campus. But you could tell after after that Thursday game happened, you know, we were um, the folks on campus just playing kind of a smaller watch party in the one student section, uh, center, rather. And then when that game, when the Kentucky game went final, and they were like, all right, no, we got to move this into the arena. Uh, thank God it was <laughs> renovated this year, and there are beautiful video boards up there now. Um, we only took out the one set of bleachers, and, and that was barely enough. And then, you know, when you got to the Sweet 16, had, the place was packed. I mean, it was not just the campus either, guys. I mean, one of the I think one of the things that actually made me giddy, and I try not to get too high or too low, but when um, one of the breweries that I love downtown in Jersey City, um, you know, kind of a, a smaller setup like most breweries are these days, and they started uh, without any input from us or reaching out. They came up with their own can label with like uh, it was a peacock cartoon punching a, a wildcat cartoon. They made their own beer, and the, the cans flew off the shelf. And they made one for uh, the Elite Eight that was like an eight percent IPA, like stuff like that. Just all these companies, all these local businesses that were um, coming out of the woodwork. You just we didn't have to pay for a thing for these last few watch parties because there was. Uh, the mom and pop pizza place down the street threw six pies and sandwiches at us. Um, the, the, you know, another pizza place, you know, this place that it was unbelievable. Um, which is, I think one of, especially from the administrative side, yes, you love seeing the buzz with the students and, and the university population, but to see it tie together the city and, and really the state, because, um, another unbelievable stat was the fact that this is the first time a New Jersey school had reached the sweet 16 since our coach Shane Holloway was playing for Seton Hall back in 2000, which again, <laughs> Just what kind of simulation are we living in? Um, that was really cool, and obviously, you know, make it to the Elite Eight, but just the way it tied the, the city and the state uh, together was, was probably, is probably the coolest thing about, you know, these last 10 days. Chris, to build on that, I put this out to some of my followers. OU Dex 30, uh, Nick Poindexter commented, and he wanted to ask you, how do you capture that publicity and revenue boom and, and for continued growth for the program and the school? So how do you keep the ball rolling on something like this? I mean, Ross, it's, uh, it's a great question. I, I would have to think and hope that this is going to be pretty sustainable in terms of interest. At least that's what the folks with our online merchandise store and the folks at the licensing group that, um, that we're part, with, part of with Learfield. I mean, everyone, you know, they feel pretty confident in that, uh, you know, the merchandise is going to be pretty. The merchandise sales, are there's going to be a push for that for, you know, at least another couple of weeks, if not another month or so. Um, certainly this justifies getting a bookstore back on our campus because <laughs> the physical bookstore had shut down um, due to COVID. And it's kind of been a pop-up shop. But then, of course, you know, this happened after the Kentucky game. And this is just reason, you know, 3,000 why you need an actual bookstore with merchandise on campus. Um, you know, between that, I mean, there we've I've been able to um, license uh, T-shirt sales and other apparel sales and some pretty big-name sites as well, like Breaking Tees. Uh, and home good or home well, uh, it's it's really uh, that stuff's not going away anytime soon. I think because of the spirit of of that run, just everything that obviously the Cinderella aspect, the fact that you know they're 15 over a two getting to the Elite Eight for the first time, the fact that the freaking mascot's a peacock, Ross. I mean, of course you tie it all together. It's just like 
I think <laughs> whether it's because, uh, you know, make us a meme, make us uh, pop culture. I don't care what you do. I mean, I think this run is going to, you know, captivate some people to want to buy uh, some gear for, for the foreseeable future. And again, uh, the fact you can't make this up. We, uh, we did a rebrand uh, that launched at the end of my first year. So about fall of 2020 and, and thank God it did because, you know, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I think it came out pretty well and it's better than the logo and the mascot that it was before. So that's another reason to, you know, try and drive the old uh, merchandise with the old logo out of existence and uh, replenish, uh, you know, folks uh, shelves at home with, with the new stuff. So I think it all ties together, Ross. And I mean, we're, it's going to be, I'm waiting for a, basically a summary report of merchandise and whatnot, but it's going to be just mouth, uh, just jaw dropping when you see some of these figures. I mean, I think in just five days alone, uh, we probably did more in our online merchandise store than the past five years uh, combined. So just little tidbits like that that are slowly starting to trickle in, um, they're going to be pretty, pretty mind blowing. Shaheen Holloway, your coach, you mentioned him. He's 45 years old. He comes over from, I believe it was Seton Hall, does this historic run with your school. Are you going to be able to keep him locked up there? And also, what does he bring to this program? Um, I mean, geez, Ross, you're just throwing all the loaded questions at me. That's, that's definitely something that I think is, is best suited for our athletic director to answer. Yeah. Obviously, there's, there's the rumors. There's the reports out there. We'll see how it all shakes out. Um, you know, just speaking on what uh, Rochelle Paul, our athletics director, has gone on record to say, obviously, I'm sure she's going to do everything she can, but, um, and I don't want to mince her words here, but at the same time, if St. Peter's, if a job like St. Peter's um, propels someone like Shaheen to, you know, a Power 5, Power 6 equivalent job, that's not necessarily a bad thing for the program or for the school. Um, because, we, you know, at the, at the same time, you know, you're, you guys are passionate Ohio University fans, uh, alums in Ross's case, uh, you know, I work at St. Peter's and I went to BU. It's, you know, mid-majors are mid-majors, and obviously there's a tier in the college basketball landscape, and there are just jobs that at, at schools and institutions with budgets like, like Kentucky's that you just, you know, at a school like St. Peter's, you're just not going to be able to compete with. So we'll see how it all shakes out. But, I mean, as far as what he's brought to the program, um, not that the program was in bad shape, you know, quite frankly, before he arrived, they had won a, a CIT title in 2017. Uh, the former coach, John Dunn, who's now at Marist, now did a, a really good job. But then, obviously, with Shaheen coming in in uh, 2017, it's, I mean, you just see his identity just splattered all over. It, it's not, doesn't have to be flashy. Um, it doesn't have, he's not looking for, it um, doesn't matter what you were ranked or not ranked as far as, uh, you know, coming out of high school. It's about just buying in and uh, just being fierce, hard-nosed, Ready, uh, just not being afraid of anyone, and I, I think one of, he's had so many favorite uh, quotes that have come out over the last couple of weeks. But um, you know, he, he, he after the Kentucky game, he's gone on record in saying, you know, he's got guys that think they should be at Kentucky um, that obviously were not recruited that way and were not perceived that way coming into obviously college. So he tells them to go out there and prove it, and they certainly did these uh, over these last ten days. And those are just the kind of kids and the kind of identity that he's brought to the program. Obviously, we've touched on. On defense, uh, one of the best defensive teams in the country these last few years. Uh, he's uh, recruited a three-time MAC Defensive Player of the Year and senior Casey Nadefo, who, I mean, one of the top mid-major players of the year. I he, I know he's up for a major award um, that would be a national mid-major player of the year. It's either an overall player or defensive player of the year. He's certainly up for that. I mean, he's just what he's been able to do, and I, I think you can 
kind of look across our athletic department and we try and be this way in, in all facets, just to be as efficient and productive as he's been with how little um, that we've had. And I know you mentioned the story about the office. I know I've seen that thread that's gone viral on Twitter. I promise you his office doesn't look like the one that I think you're alluding to. But <laughs> it's incredible. We're, we're an extremely low-resource institution compared to some of our MAC peers. I mean, you see schools like Mammoth and Quinnipiac compared to what we've had. And thankfully, uh, the basketball arena um, was renovated thanks to a generous benefactor last year. So, you know, that part looks good. But the building itself, it's, you know, straight out of the 1970s and really hasn't been touched since. And uh, the campus is in kind of a, a gritty part of Jersey City. And, I mean, I, I think, you know, the rest of our teams, there's there's a very small weight room. Our, our soccer and baseball and softball teams play at a county park. Like, it's just, you got to, you know what you're getting into when you get to St. Peter's, and you got to kind of have that chip on your shoulder and just tying it back to Shaheen and the identity. I mean, he's, he's brought all that and more. Uh, his kids, his staff, everyone's got a chip on their shoulder to go out and, and prove themselves. You know, they embrace the underdog role, and uh, thankfully it's worked out this year. And no matter how it shakes out, I mean, people aren't going to be forgetting St. Peter's anytime soon. No, definitely not, Chris. Uh, again, it was just a great run as they went all the way to the Elite Eight, first ever 15 seed to do it in March Madness. And, Chris, we appreciate your time, and you join us here on The Sports Fan. And, uh, you know, you definitely taught me a thing or two, so we appreciate you coming on, and hopefully we can have you on sometime in the near future. Would love to. Thank you, guys. And, Ross, buddy, good to have you back stateside. I'm sure we'll talk soon. See you, buddy. Thanks for coming on. See you. As again, that was Chris Aliano from St. Peter's. And, man, he really painted a great picture there, I think, about, you know, what mid-major schools have to go through. Obviously, you made the great point about, you know, Coach K's salary compared to what a team like that, you know, has for to run all their varsity sports programs. And, man, it's just whenever a team like that goes through, you know, Think of Butler's in the early 2010s with Brad Stevens. Obviously, Oral Roberts made the Sweet 16 last year. They're always they're always just fun teams to get behind. How can you not root for them? Yeah. Uh, how can you not? Unless your squad is going against St. Peter's, everyone in the country was rooting for St. Peter's. I bet there was the the fandom behind them, the percentage going into that game against NC. Unless you're a true NC fan. It was probably 90-10. Mm. Unfortunately, Easily. on the court, it just didn't end up that way. But what a great time to work for an athletic department as well. You, you don't think this athletic department, you don't think this basketball squad's more or less probably going to win your conference tournament, no. let, alone, let alone go to the Elite Eight. So uh, I'm, I'm sure St. Peter's, their whole entire athletic department staff, Chris, everyone had a great time with this entire run, and hopefully they build off of it. And, I mean, before we throw it to our final break and wrap up the show, on the other side, I mean, he talked about that defensive identity. This is a team whose leading scorer averaged 11 points a game. Yeah. I, when I was watching them last week, I'm pretty sure they played every single person on the bench. Yeah. He, he really they goes about deep. Five, they were still about five at a time, I remember. I haven't seen that since a rec game in eighth grade. It's incredible. Grade. And his, his, he's just a walking soundbite, Shaheen. He comes out after the game and he says, I got guys that just want to play basketball. Yeah. I, you know, just incredible. And his whole entire team swarming him. How would you not want to play for a guy like that? Incredible stuff coming out of St. Peter's. It's a school of only 2,000 students. Mm -hmm. That is about twice the size of Hawking College, making it to the Elite Eight. Unbelievable. Hats off to the Peacocks. Great name, by the way. Probably one of the greatest names in sports. How many Peacocks do you think have ever graced uh, the shores of New Jersey? I, I don't know. I, I, we we, have, to, we have to look that one up. <laughs> I don't think it would be that many. 
So good. But still, great mascot. We get the final break on the other side. We're going to go around the AFC North talking about the free agency. Ravens potentially landing a big defensive piece. The Browns seem to have locked up their backup quarterback. So what does that mean for Baker Mayfield? That's all coming up next. You're listening to Sports Fan, presented by JK Contracting on 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. Since 1963, Donato's was built on three fundamentals, creating a superior product, hiring great people, and adhering to strong principles that promote goodwill in the community. Stop by East State Street and try out their appetizing pizzas, subs, salads, desserts, and beverages with party sizes available. Donato's only uses the freshest of ingredients with no artificial colors in their food. Eat fresh. Every piece is important. Only at Donato's on East State Street in Athens. We espouse a home-based model because uh, really it allows us to get to know the client and the situations that they live in and their family dynamics much better. Our mission is about bringing the best to the table and helping people to find what their best is. Integrator will walk beside that individual and that family to provide stability and safety. This is the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Back inside the WATH studios, listening to the Sports Fan, Joy Medor alongside Ross Christ as we went all through the Final Four to start off the show. Just got done talking to Chris Aliano over at St. Peter's. He was a great chap for the last 15 minutes. But now let's dive into some NFL free agency, Ross. Uh, specifically looking around the AFC North Bengals, obviously made a lot of their big moves early on, springing in all the offensive linemen, re-signing backup quarterback Brandon Allen, a couple other defensive pieces like Eli Apple, like uh, DJ Reader and BJ Hill, bringing all those guys back. But take a look around the rest of the division. The Ravens had a visit with a key defensive piece, middle linebacker from Seattle, Bobby Wagner. Of course, he's been one of the highly touted free agents coming into this year, and apparently... The Ravens have a very competitive offer out for Wagner. And Ross, you know, obviously I'm from Baltimore. It helps me, you know, talk about the Ravens a little bit more. But this just feels like a little bit of a match made in heaven, right? The Ravens, for years and years, were known for having that fierce middle linebacker. Obviously, it was Ray Lewis for his entire career. And they followed it up with C.J. Mosley for a couple years, kind of a, a fill-in piece. But they haven't really had that piece the past few seasons, C.J. Mosley moved on. They tried to draft Patrick Queen with a first-round pick two years ago. He's been off and on. They've kind of moved into the will linebacker role, but it feels like Bobby Wagner someone. You drop right into the middle of the Baltimore defense, and they can really take off. How did the Seahawks cut Bobby Wagner? Mm. He is an incredible talent on the defensive side of the mm. football. I believe he was number two or three last year in total tackles, so he certainly can still make the plays. This is not a guy that got cut because of diminishing ability, is right. it? This is strictly salary cap type mm -hmm. of a reason. So he comes into the AFC North. Yes, he fits the mold for a Ravens defender, doesn't he? He would do quite well for them in that Harbaugh coach defense. Now, it's all a matter if they can come to, to the financial side of things. It's reported that he wants $11 million, and he wants to do a little bit of a one-year deal here, mm -hmm. maybe try and see how he likes it out in Baltimore. But you're also kind of seeing a lot of these one-year deals where players maybe try to do a prove-it contract right. where they can show that they still have the legs, they still have the, the tenacity to go get that big contract. But Bobby Wagner, he's coming in 31 years old. I think he makes that defense better, doesn't he? I, especially in today's NFL game where, you know, the linebackers aren't these, you know, big jacked 
muscly guys anymore. You got to be able to get out and run. You know, you're facing these four or five wide receiver sets at times. You know, there's not as much running in between the tackles as time. The game's very much played out on the edge. Yeah. So those older linebackers, it feels like there's this stigma once you get above the age of 30 at that position, maybe, you know, your legs won't be as good as they used to be. But it just feels like, like you said, you know, one of the premier tacklers in the league, it, it feels like Bobby Wagner is, is going to land a contract. And it would be big if the Ravens are able to bring him in. And obviously, you know, the competition is interesting this year. The Bengals are supposed to be that team. They went to the Super Bowl last year. They're all a year older. They're bringing pretty much everybody back. They have the weapons on the outside. They have the quarterback. But... The Ravens looking like they're trying to beef up that defense to try to take down that Cincinnati offense that they're going to have to see two times a year. Yeah, there's something to be said also with the Bobby Wagner situation. I see that he's also looking at Dallas. This is his first time that he'll be outside of the Seattle market. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something that I also think not quite as similar to uh, that I think about Kansas as I do Baltimore. But I don't <laughs> think Baltimore is one of these top destinations no. for free agents. I just don't see it a lot of the time. So we'll see. The, 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 maybe Jerry Jones and the lore of the Cowboys star can pull him out there. But in terms of the AFC North, I'll tell you what, every team has gotten better besides the Pittsburgh Steelers. Every team. You, you mean look, Maserati Mitch isn't doing it for you? I do <laughs> not see it no. with Mitch Trubisky. And you know what? He served a backup role last year. Who knows? That might have helped him out. Mm. Uh, learning in the quarterback room from Josh Allen, but he's coming into that Steelers locker room where he's basically, I think he's going to be given the, the keys to the car. Sure. He, he will be under center. And, you know, this is his last chance to prove it in the NFL. But in terms of being a better team, is he better than a late 30s Ben Roethlisberger? I'm not so sure about that. I'm really not sure about that. And Steelers fans are in for a rude awakening mm -hmm. this season. It has been a dominant run by Mike Tomlin ever since he's came in, since since he's landed this head coaching position, never having a losing season. But I really think if you are a black and gold fan, please have your tissues ready because you are going to be crying a lot this season. The Browns have gotten a, a lot better at the quarterback position. Whether you like the quarterback, you dislike the quarterback, it's hard to... Amazing talent. It's hard to disagree that he is phenomenal under center. The Bengals, well, heck, they just went to the Super Bowl. They just got an offensive line. Who knows what they can do in uh, you know, the year after the Super Bowl in the Ravens. So... Yeah, it's going to be an exciting year for the AFC North. I see it being as a three-team race, though, and with the black and yellow being all the way in the caboose. Sticking with the quarterback talk, obviously Cleveland over the weekend, they brought in Jacoby Brissett. Obviously, he's been kind of a journeyman backup, started out in New England, went down to Indy, was with Miami last year. Basically, he's played games in every town that he's been the quarterback of. Um, and obviously, with the pending situation with Deshaun Watson up there in Cleveland, they might need a guy to play three or four or five games. There's no real precedent for how long he could be suspended should one come along. But where does that leave Baker Mayfield at this point? I think some people are starting to convince themselves maybe they would try to hold on to him to you know, have that backup quarterback in case Deshaun wasn't able to go week one for whatever reason. But you're not paying three quarterbacks. And we've already seen the trade market is non-existent for Mayfield right now. You're not paying three quarterbacks, and you're not having your third-string quarterback make, make $18, 18 million. million dollars. Yeah. That's just not happening in the NFL. So here's what's going to happen. They are going to trade him. He's going to agree to some type of salary reduction mm -hmm. with his new team because no one on the market, Seattle needs a quarterback. 
Um, you know, Denver needs a quarterback. They needed a quarterback. They all kind of passed on this whole entire Baker Mayfield trade line. So he's going to have to come down in price. I'll tell you what's not going to happen. He will not be sitting in that quarterback room. Absolutely but not. there's the one thing you can say about Baker Mayfield. He's a very prideful individual. Can you see him holding a clipboard after being drafted and doing everything he just did, coming off of shoulder surgery where he's playing injured for that team? Uh, I just don't see, he won see them, that being a, he won a match made in the head. Their first playoff game in over, what was it, 20, 28, year, 28, 29 years? That's right. And a year later, kicked to the curb. In true Cleveland Browns QB carousel fashion, he will be in the bread line or playing for another team. He's going, he will not be in Cleveland. No, definitely not. And I just, I don't know. There's so many teams that reject him. Carolina said they don't want him. The, the only open spot for him to come in and start right away seems to be Seattle right now. Yes. And they seem to be backing away because of his salary. Yeah. So I could see Pete Carroll coming in and taking a, taking a shot on him. He, he's roughly kind of the same size as Russell Wilson, kind of has that type of playing style, scramble style, um, hard-nosed football. Um, however, he's just not accurate. You, we saw that in the last last couple games of the season. Who knows if that's injury-related or not, but his accuracy just was not there. But his heart, his will to win, 100% there. As far as Jacoby Brissett, he comes in. This is going to be a solid backup for you, and I'll give yeah. you one reason to be excited about this signing. While he did go 2-3 and three last season, he did have his highest completion, completion percentage. So he had a decent ear tossing the ball around. They definitely got better at the quarterback position up there in Cleveland. You absolutely bring in Brissett when you need a quarterback who could potentially have to play two, three, four games in a year. That's exactly what he's been pretty much everywhere he went. He had to start most of the year, one year in Indianapolis, the year Andrew Luck retired. And obviously he had a couple starts up in New England with Jimmy G, the Tom Brady situation. So he's definitely got to bring in for that kind of situation. Yes, and you mentioned Jimmy G. Apparently news coming out of the Bay Area today. They're not cutting Jimmy G or trading Jimmy G. Hmm. That's going to be another interesting. Ross, appreciate you having you on the show today, my man. This has been the Sports Fan presented by JNK Contracting. We appreciate you listening, and we'll see you again at 6.06 tomorrow right here. Second year of serving Southeast Ohio. AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-B-A-N.